glad he came down from the big city and spend a weekend with uh, his parents and see Grandma and see us on Sunday morning. We're glad you're here. We have some first-time people here today. We're so glad to have you. I'm not going to call your name or make you stand up or stand out. We don't do that. You just kind of relax and enjoy yourself. 2 Samuel chapter 20. 2 Samuel chapter 20. I've got about one more message in 2 Samuel. And uh, we'll be done with going through the book of 2 Samuel. Will that be first and 2 Samuel? Done in the last uh, few years, two or three years. And... Uh, Today, I want us to see the power of one. The power of one. You've heard of that, right? The power of one. Negative or positive, good or bad, one person, one person has a tremendous influence. And what I want you to see is you're that person, whether it's good or whether it's bad, you can make a difference, good or bad, in your home, in your work, at your church, in your community. One person. And it, it really, you don't have to stand out. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to get on the, a, a broadcast system and, and, and put out the word you, positive or negative. One person. The power of one. Let's read the chapter together. You're going to wonder how I got there because we're going we're gonna to cover in this uh, some negative things that, that we want to see that happens that's kind of summarized in chapter 20 from what's been going on in the whole chapter. Now, some people wonder, preacher, why in the world are you preaching through 2 Samuel? Obscure passage, it seems. Well, God gave us the whole word of God, didn't he? Right? So there's a message in every word of the Bible. They're all inspired of God. And I think that's one of the problems we have today. Preachers at many churches are preaching one or two different topics. One or two different topics. And, man, I love to hear the gospel of salvation. I love to hear that. But you know what? Most of you people are saved today. And you need something from the Word of God to challenge you and to remind you. Probably nothing that you've never heard before. I'll probably not share anything that you've never heard before. But it's my job as the pastor to bring to remembrance those things you have been taught. And so we go as Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says, we read the Old Testament because we learn from it. We study the Old Testament because we learn from it. And we preach the Old Testament because there's things we can learn from it. So let's read it now. And I hope I don't have any hard words. And there happened to be there a man of Belial, a worthless a man of worthlessness is another way of looking at it. You may have a different word there. Whose name was Sheba, and the son of uh, Bichari, a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. So every man of Israel, that's of the ten tribes, went up after David and Followed from from after David and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah clave unto their king from Jordan even to Jerusalem. So there's a division, and it divides the way it's going to futurely divide under a Rehoboam. One tribe with David, and the others go with this Sheba. Verse 3, And David came to his house at Jerusalem, and 
The king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in ward, and fed them, but went not in unto them. So they were shut up until the day of their death, living in widowhood. Then said uh, the king uh, to Amasa, Assemble me, the men of Judah, within three days, and be thou here present. And Amasa went and assembled the men of Judah, and he tarried. That's a good point. He took too long. He tarried long, longer than the set time which was, uh, which he had appointed him. And David said to Abishai, Now shall Sheba, the son of Bichri, do us more harm than did Absalom. Take thou thy Lord's servant and pursue after him, lest he get him fenced cities and escape us. And there went out after him Joab's men and the uh, Cherarites and the uh, Pilatites, however you say that, and all the mighty men, and they went out of Jerusalem and pursued after Sheba, the son of Bichri. When they were at the great uh, stone, which is Gibeon, Amasa went before them, and Joab's uh, garment, uh, and, and Joab's uh, garment that he had put on was girded upon uh, unto him, and upon it a girdle with a sword fastened unto the loins of the sheaf thereof, and as he went forth it fell out. And Joab said to Amasa, Art thou of good health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard, and with his right hand, and kissed him. And Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. So he smote him therewith in the fifth rib, and shed out his bowels to the ground, and, uh, and struck him not again, and he died. And Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued Sheba, the son of Bichri. And one of Joab's men stood by him and said, He that favoreth Joab and he that is for David, let him go after Joab. And Amasa wallowed in his blood in the midst of the highway. And when the, men, when the man saw that all the people stood still, he removed Amasa from out of the highway into the field uh, and, and cast a cloth upon him. When he saw that everyone that came by stood still, were distracted. And when he was removed out of the highway, all the people went on after Joab and pursued after Sheba, the son of Bitrai. And he went through all the tribes of Israel unto Abel and to uh, Beth Meshan and all the, the Berites. And they were gathered together and went after, uh, went also after him. And they came and besieged him. And uh, Abel of Beth Machrah, <laughs> and they cast up a bank against the city, and it stood in a trench, and all the people that were with Joab battle, battered the wall and, and, uh, and thrown it down, thrown it down. Then cried a wise woman, there's what I'm trying to get to. There cried a wise woman out of the city, Here, here, say I pray you, the city uh, unto Joab, come near hither that I may speak to thee. I finally got to where I want to stop. Now, you say, man, that's a, that's a story, it's a gory story. I mean, you got you got a comp- competition going. Joab used to be the man in charge under David. David appoints another man in charge, a Messiah, and uh, Joab pulls him to close to him, like he's gonna be good to him. He kisses him, 
stabs him. All through the Bible, you got to look out for kissing. You got to look out for kissing. There's kisses of love in the Bible. They are. There's wonderful kisses of love. I think I think of Rebecca back in the book of Genesis. But there's kisses of betrayal. And boy, the love kisses are great, but you better watch out for the kisses of betrayal. But I want us to think about the power of one, of one person. Now, David, you would think everything was over with. If you look back, if you read through this, in chapter 18, it seemed like all the confusion, all of the rebellion was saying, they killed, they killed, uh, uh, yeah, they, they, they killed Absalom and, and looked like everything was taken care of and the rebellion of Ithophel and them was over with and put down. But there's still trouble. There's still trouble among the people. There's still conflict. And, and David, it seems he is surprised. He's surprised by it. He's still mourning over his son, Absalom, that was, that was murdered by Absalom. That's why Absalom was replaced. And, and David is looking for peace. He's trying to establish peace. He's trying to put things back together. And you know, listen to me. I got to thinking about this as I look at the, uh, the political divisions, the moral divisions in our country today. If we ever got leadership that wanted to unite us as a people, it will be difficult. Because the aftermath of division. You take a home, for example. If, if there's ever a big train wreck in a home, and you think, well, we got that sob. Oh, did we? It takes, roll, it has to roll over and roll over and roll over and roll over. And it's like when you have a blowout on your trailer. You ever had a blowout on your trailer and didn't want to stop? I mean, it's rough for a while, but if you cut, keep on driving, uh, that old tire, oh, it'll flop off of there, and you won't hear it no more. And that's the way it is with conflict and division. You think it's over with. And, and you, you know, boy, I'm a husband, right? And I think, well, this is settled. Right. Round one is settled. And sometimes I may be the perpetrator of round two. I'm not saying I'm always right. But the problem, after a problem, is resolved, and, and even when it's resolved, the peace is fragile, isn't it? The peace is fragile, and that's what it is here. And so there's an opportunist main, named Sheba that comes on the scene. He, he's, he's, he's an opportunist, and he sees a bunch of disgruntled people. Boy, this happens at church, you know what I'm saying? This happens at church. Uh, David's trying to establish peace. He's trying to put things together. He's trying to move forward. And then there's this opportunist that comes along. And his name is Sheba here. It could have been anybody, right? But it's Sheba here. And he sees a disgruntled group. And he says, you know what? He don't say this. Somebody else is doing this beyond him. Somebody, who is it that is doing this division? Who is this that's trying to destroy the, the nation of Israel and the seed of David, which is going to be the Savior of the world? Who is behind this division and conflict? It's the devil. That doesn't mean we need to uh, take our eyes off of Sheba's, <laughs> but he's behind it. 
And it's a precious time in our home, in our church, in our community, in our country. It's a, it's a precious time when there's peace in there. Amen? Amen. You know, I think about it. You don't do this till you get to be 60 years old, and I'll soon be, you know, older than I am now. You don't do this when you're young. But when you get older, I'm going to tell you young people, y'all listen to me. Let me tell you what, what you're going to do. I'll, I'll tell you, and y'all older people can confirm this. You think about, you know, why was I so busy that I couldn't spend time with my mom and dad? How many older people say amen to that? Oh, why was I trying to make a dollar so bad? I had to have the dollar, and I had to do that. I know I did, but why didn't I take more time for other things? Yeah, <laughs> that's just a part of it. Well, verse 1 tells us about Sheba, and he's going to cause this insurrection. And division promotes division in the home, in the country, in the church, in the marriage. Division promotes division. And so Sheba calls out and blows a trumpet, man. I think you think about that trumpet. It's symbolic of a big mouth. Yeah, you know the Bible associates the idea of a trumpet with a big mouth. And so he's got to be. Did you know a big mouth can cause you more trouble than you can fix? You know, that's why the book of James gets into this thing about opening your mouth and using your mouth. He says, man, inside of your mouth, there's a set of bars called teeth. And behind this bar of teeth is a reptile called a tongue that no man can tame. Why can't you tame it? Because it's connected to a heart that's full of deception and deceit and is evil. You'll never get anywhere in life as a Christian until you really accept the fact that your heart is evil. You preacher, you're not talking about the pretty little girl that's sitting right here. Me, are you? I'm talking about you. Why is it we can't get it? We have these beautiful little babies. And, and Lauren and, and Kyle had a beautiful little baby boy uh, Friday, right? That little dude's got a heart as evil as yours. It just hadn't come out yet. Let's enjoy him while we can. Amen. But Sheba, the power of one. It could have been anyone. It could have been anybody. But it was Sheba. The power of one caused an insurrection. And the goal was motivated by Satan. Not He didn't know what he was doing. He really didn't. He, he was just thinking, well, you know what he was thinking? I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing it. Listen, I have never had a problem in the church, I don't think, that where somebody raised up an insurrection where they did not believe they were doing the right thing. Well, if you look at me and the rest of you, you can say, well, I can understand why he felt that way. Well, I agree. I'm a sinner, man. I'm a failure. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Who ain't? The power of one. Now, he's called a man of Belial. If you've got a newer version, it will say a worthless. Wouldn't it say worthless? Anybody got that? It's a worthless man. Now, he's not worthless because he was just worthless. He's worth, he got his reputation by what he, what he brought on to the nation. You know, it's very important that we remember that we're going to be remembered by what we did, not what we felt. What are you going to do about it? The power of one. Like I said, it wasn't that he was just a terrible person. Because we're all terrible people if you want to rank us right. 
but what he allowed Satan to do in his life. He saw a chance. He took the power. He blew the trumpet, divided the nation. Judah went with David and ten other tribes followed him as descendants of Saul. What did he do? He resurrected an old division that was already, we thought, settled. Is anything really ever settled? You look at our nation. I don't know if any of you keep up with what's going on in politics. You're better off if you don't, you think. And, and, and in some ways, you're right, right? In some ways, you're right. But you look at what's been tried to uh, take place in the last three years. People trying to go back to 1860 and resurrect the division of 1860, and, and they've done a pretty good job of it. Okay? Sheba. Opportunists. He's the man. He's the one. The power of one. We learn from this. Now, some things we learn. We want to look at the, the sin of rebellion. The sin of rebellion. Anybody anybody here, raise your hand if you're guilty of being rebellious. Raise your hand. There's two things I do there. I'm seeing if you're a liar. And I'm seeing if you're listening. Right? So... You didn't raise your hand, I'm going to mark you off as you wasn't listening. But the truth is, every one of us, we have rebellion in us, right? We was born that way. We was born that way. And see, Sheba sees his chance. He, he, he blows the trumpet. He, he made a statement, verse 1. He says, and there happened to be there, just happened to be, there a man of Beliah whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. He's everything that they need at the time. And he blew a trumpet and said, we have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tent, O Israel. And maybe he's saying, oh, Israel here, as being a division from Judah. It's all Israel now. But he might be being a technician with words. Uh, Satan's very good with words. Are you sure God said that? Is that what he really meant? Are you sure the Bible is true? Every word. Are you sure? Technician with words. Oh, look out for words today. If you turn your TV on, look out for words. You can be so deceived by words. And we do live, we do live in a very dangerous time. Oh, oh, uh, oh, 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 Sheba, he takes a, a disgruntled majority, right? And, and, and they follow him. And it's a, a dangerous time for us. I, I just, I just, I'm going to buy the book. I got heard an a, a interview this week, and I'm not going to call the name because I can't remember his name. But, he said in his statement, he said, it only takes 30% of a population to cause an outright rebellion. 30%. And one of the reasons he, summer, he, he said that is because 65% of the people will go along with whoever says whatever. Because they don't want to be the odd man out. How many times did Jesus warn us? Beware when all men speak well of you. Beware. And Jesus constantly challenges us to be the odd man out, doesn't he? He constantly challenges us to speak up when it's difficult. To say the truth when no one wants to hear it. And you know, you look at all the martyrs of history. They were saying something that a group of people didn't want to hear. 
I think we've learned in America how to be nice and get along. But we're being destroyed by niceness. Nice. I want to be nice. I don't want to cause any problem. I don't want to have an argument. I want to avoid it. And you do, and I do too. We want to avoid all the conflict we can avoid in our home, in our community, in our church. We, we want to avoid it. But truth is the way out of problems. Yeah. Very dangerous time. Most people will just watch things happen. You take... You know, I used to wonder about Germany. How in the world did Germany, those most educated group of people in the world were the Europeans at the time and maybe even so today. Those German people in the 20s and 30s allowed a dictator to be their ruler, to take over and change their government. And they watched them murder Jewish people. Six million Jews. I used to wonder how that could happen. I no longer wonder about that. Do you anymore? Through deception. Well, now, God hates rebellion. Okay? We all got a rebellious heart, and we have to keep our heart under the lordship of Christ, and we have to repent of our rebellion. And so Saul was guilty of rebellion back in the, the very first of us, and God took him off the throne because of his rebellion. Let me read 1 Samuel Chapter 15, and just summarize our thoughts on rebellion. Chapter 15, verse 23. For rebellion, God says this, it's uh, verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's a bad statement. Is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. I don't want y'all to know something. I got a stubborn streak in me as long as anybody in the room. Except the one that said that is longer. <laughs> because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. What happened, Saul? You know what the word? He was stubborn. He's rebellious. But here's the problem. He was using it for his own purposes. He was not following the instruction of God. Now Sheba's rebellion is is similar, and it's serious. And, and, and rebellion is serious. Rebellion in your home. Rebellion in your church. Rebellion in your community. It's serious. In Sheba's case, he was going to destroy the outcome of the line of David, which was the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. A disruption of God's plan. Now, secondly, I wanted to address the rebellion issue. Secondly, I want to address the social consequences of sexual sin. We, we need this. The social consequences of immorality, of sexual sin. Look at verse 3. I'll just kind of go over it. And David came to the house of Jerusalem. Remember, if you, you don't remember, but he left these concubines there at Jerusalem to take care of the house. And what happened? Uh, Ahithophel told Absalom, you need to go into that house and you need to have sex with every one of those women. And they made a big, it looked like a Hollywood shoot. I mean, they made a big scene out of it. Everybody saw it. And what Absalom was doing was defiling his father's name. That's what he was doing. 
And so these, these ladies are shut up for the rest of their life. But what he's actually doing for us is giving us an opportunity to look at the, the, the social consequences of sexual sin. We, we need to think about this in this country. Nothing means nothing to anybody anymore. It, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's however you want it, whenever you want it, wherever you want it, with anybody you want it. Absalom had defiled them all, but sexual sin disrupts a society. And, and, and listen, I'm speaking to a group of people and, and guilty all over us, right? I'm, I'm not picking on a small group of people, but the farther we get away from the rebellion of the 60s, the more everybody has been affected. I'm not standing here as goody two-shoes pointing my finger at anybody. I'm just saying there are social issues. You think about our country today. All, of, all that's happened to the home, you can take it back to sexual immorality. Oh, preacher, not in that case. I didn't say in that case, but you take it back. It's just a walking away from God's rules. It's just walking away from what God teaches. All of David's trouble, all of these chapters, can be traced back to his immorality with Bathsheba in in chapter 11. And that's what the Bible teaches us. That it all connects back to his own sin. And can you deny the truth that all that you're experiencing negatively in your life today, and you cannot deny, you will have to agree with me, that you can trace it back, if you want to, you can trace it back to your own failure. Can we say amen to that? So we encourage the young people to go back to the Bible. Go back to the book. See what God says. You take in the case of David here. This one sin caused him to break six of the Ten Commandments. It don't stop there. Stay right with God. A man after God's own heart. Hey, there's hope. A man after God's own heart. Wasn't he? But, you know, I tell you what, when I got to study in these passages in the last few months, I have just had to look at David and say, Mm, what am I going to, how can I defend you? And you know what I concluded? I can't defend myself. We're all guilty of sin to some degree, to some level. Hey, the failure of man just points to our need for God. Man after God's own heart. And let me tell you this, if, if you have problems in, in your life and some type of more immorality, can I say this? It doesn't mean you don't love God. I like what Phil said last night in, in our, in our uh, service last night, that it, it doesn't mean you're a terrible person. You've made some terrible decisions. Our world has been sexualized. Sexualized, and it has had the effect on all of us. I remember, see, I, I'm a little older than you. I can remember the day when if the, guy, if the guy said the word damn, we'd turn the TV off. Right? Can you all remember those days? And you young couples out here me say, look at me say, preacher, 
preacher. If we could see something like that, it would be G-G-G-G-G uh, rated. And it would be. Look, what happens to that frog? What happens to that frog when you put him in that pan of water? You put him in hot water, he'll leap out. But you put him in that nice cold water, just turn the heat on. Just turn the heat on. But you know, I got to thinking about David. He teaches us that we make mistakes and we have to accept the consequences. Not only live with them, but be thankful for the grace of God, the mercy of God, the goodness of God, because God is still good with David even after all of this. I think of our world today. We've been so sexualized. If you watch anything, you know, I, I, I don't watch everything, but, but I, I saw enough, uh, you know, I just looked at my, my Google app. Drag queen libraries. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Drag queen libraries. Oh, and I heard an official that was bragging about taking his stepkids to a drag queen show. And I want to ask him, how many drag queen shows do you need to see to know what they do at a drag queen show? I've never seen one, but I think I could figure it all out at one visit. The goal is to make a perverted nation out of us. It's to take normal, which was moral, and make normal as perversion. That's the goal. We look back. One sexual sin in David's life leads to all the destruction in 2 Samuel. We could take that one sin of David's life and go back to a garden where they simply disobeyed God. What does it tell us, folks? We all need God. David, let me give it, he broke commandment 10. He broke commandment 7. Then he broke commandment 8. Then he broke commandment 6. And then he broke commandment 9. And then he broke commandment 5. Now he kept the first four intact with his love for God. And he's told, the Bible tells us he loves God. So let me tell you something. If you're having problem with morality in your life, it doesn't mean you hate God. It doesn't mean that you know, you're just an impossible person. It just means you need God in your life. You need to take it to the Lord. And you need help. The consequences. All of us, be warned. Be warned. And thank, all of us, be thankful for the grace and the goodness of God even after our failures. God is good and God is forgiving. If you'll go back, and you may need to do this, David confessed his sin to God. He admitted it. And man, God gave him so many chances to confess. And finally, he brought Nathan there, and Nathan confronted him, and David said, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. And the mercies of God began to affect his life. Friend, don't, don't think because you're against God that God is against you. God loves you. And he's waiting for you just to come to him. Admit you need him. He'll forgive you. He'll change your life and he'll give you mercy. That's our God. That's our God. Amen. Now, thirdly, I want to look at, or fourthly, I don't know where I'm at, the aftermath of the infighting. I will quickly go through this. 
one clear message of First and Second Samuel is that there's a never-ending war. There's never a time you can rest and relax and say, Hey, I've arrived. It's over with. We've got it settled. If you love the Lord today, if you're in a home today where you have committed your life to Christ to follow Jesus, don't just sit on your laurels because, friend, the war has only begun. When you were going with the devil, you were headed downstream like you're at Current River, just floating on that tube. But when you gave your life to Christ and when you turned your family over to the Lord, you started heading upstream in a world that's going downstream. And don't, don't quit. Just get started. The aftermath of the war was confusion and division and infighting and, and problems of division. I, I have a reference over in 1 Corinthians that I want to read to you about. Just think about the church in this ideal. He says in chapter 1, verse 10, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you speak the same things and that there be no division among you and that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind in the same judgment. You know what he's saying? He's saying that after the preface was we got things on the right track and we're trying to go in the right direction. Now everybody support that right track. That's what he's saying in 1 Corinthians 1.10. Get on board, stay on board when things are right. Amen? The problems of division... Sheba proved to us that anybody can cause division. It doesn't take any talent to gossip. It doesn't take any talent to, to, to have a drama experience and, and, and just drama, drama, drama in life and just spill out and be negative and be destructive with our words. The power of words. Hey, a, a drama queen or a drama king guided by their emotions and what they're feeling not by their faith, can do destructive harm with their mouth. It starts with their heart, with our, let me not say there, with our attitude. Watch your tongue. James chapter 3, I want to read you James chapter 3. Listen to this. James 3, verse 3. Behold, we put bits in horse's mouth. I'm going I'm to get us some bits, okay? Let's get some bits. And we're going to wear bits, okay, if we need one. How about that? Everybody want on board with this game? We're going to get a bit. You start, you start being bad with your mouth. We're going to put a bit in your mouth and let you wear that bit around. I'm afraid we don't have one. <laughs> he said, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn about the whole body. Behold, also the ship which... Though it be so great, they're uh, driven by a fierce wind, yet they're turned about by a very small hymn, whithererever the person in charge wants it to go. We've got to watch our mouth. We've got to watch our mouth. In your home, you can say some ugly, cutty remarks. You've got to be careful with your, your mouth. He said, this big old ship... The winds blow it this way and that way, and the powerful forces of nature push this ship around. But that guy that's got the rudder can maneuver it. Can I teach you this? You need to learn how to guide conversations, even arguments, for the glory of God. He goes on, on to say, verse 5, 
Even so, the tongue is a little member, smallest part of our body, exterior. It boasts of great things. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. We need to be careful to use our tongue appropriately. Use it appropriately. Be sure we don't destroy something in our efforts. The aftermath of infighting is more fighting. It's more fighting. We need to guard our tongue. Families can be divided. Churches can be divided. You know, after a train wreck in our church or in our home or wherever, there needs to be a lot of forgiveness and a lot of forgetfulness. You know, what does God do with our sins? He, Psalms tells us he cast them into the depth of the sea. Right? They're cast into God's forgetfulness. Can you imagine the power of God to forget? Well, I can understand the power of God to remember. And it does. God doesn't forget. But then God has the ability to forget. Once it's been forgiveness. Take it to God. We ask God's forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. Then forgetfulness. And then it comes back up in our mind, doesn't it? Who brought that up? That little dude on our shoulder I told you about a couple weeks ago, right? He brought it up. I've been told this, and I think it's a great piece of advice. Once you have confessed a sin to God and, and maybe something that's terrorized you, you've confessed it to God and it comes back up, rather than asking God to forgive you again, thank Him for forgiving you. Thank Him for Forgive you. And then in closing, wonderful words of a preacher. In closing. Now, now let's go back over this, the power of one. There was Sheba, the power of one man to bring division, insurrection. And then David, the power of one to bring all this destruction, this sexual immorality of his, just in the power of one. Right? And then we got a woman. The power of one. Verse 16. Then cried a wise woman out of the city. Hear, hear. Say, I pray you unto Joab. Come near hither that I may speak with thee. If you'll read it later. Joab has his army. He's been approaching this place, this city. He's found that Sheba is there in the city. Sheba hasn't told his whole story. He told his story how he wanted it to sound. I've done that, have you? You want to listen to my side of the story? I'll tell you it just like I want you to hear it. Don't we? Don't we? Sheba got there, he told his story, and man, they're having a big thing there. But Joab set his army in array, and he's ready to destroy the city. Everybody. The power of one woman. The power of one you know, we could talk about the unnecessary killing and murders and everything. This woman stopped it. What'd she say? She said, I'd like to have a conversation with you. I'd like to have a conversation where we got real and talked about 
what's really going on. Not just yell at one another about what we want. The power of one. You're in a home. You're in a church. You're in a country. You're in a community. The power of one, one woman. I don't know why she doesn't get more preached on Mother's Day. You know what I'm saying? I just found her as I, as I was studying the Bible. I didn't know about her. This wise woman. We don't even know her name. Just called a wise woman. She stopped the unnecessary killing of a whole city. She asked Joab, that man that doesn't listen, that man that doesn't care, can we have a conversation? And she meets with him. And she has a conversation. And she said, what are you doing this for? Well, so I'll tell you this. You got old Sheba in there, and we're going to wipe the whole place out, and we're going to end this rebellion that's been going on. Right. More murdering's probably not going to end it. Probably not going to end it, is it? But this wise woman, maybe she does know the key to ending it. A peaceful solution. Now, it gets gory. She said, what do you want? Joab said, I want Sheba. That's all I want. Really? Just one man? She goes back to the city and she gets the officials there and they gather up Sheba and cut his head off. Hey, that sounds rough, right? That's a lot easier than everybody getting their head cut off. Which brings me to my conclusion, as I said. The expediency that one man should die. The expediency that one man should die. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, chapter 5, by one man, sin came into the world. That's the bad news. But it also tells us the good news, doesn't it? By one man, salvation came to the world. By one man, here in our text, this whole rebellion was started. And by that one man dying, it ended. They cut his head off. Symbolic of the serpent's head. Caiaphas made a statement. You're probably already ahead of me if you have heard it. It's John 18, 14. He said this in the Sanhedrin's presence. He said, it is is expedient that one man should die. See, what he saw was physical. He said, we're going to have rebellion here, and the Romans are going to come in here. They're going to wipe Jerusalem out. He said, "Let's, let's kill Jesus to save the nation. And guess what? Although he did not see the spiritual truth of what he was speaking, he was speaking the spiritual truth, wasn't he? Jesus not only died to save the nation from being destroyed right then and there, he died for the whole world to be saved. It is expedient that one man should die. I tell you what, it's necessary that one man should die. And it's impossible that anyone else could do what that one man did in that Jesus was the perfect, sinless Son of God that died for the sin of the world. Say, preacher, how'd you come out with something positive, with something so negative? It's the wonder of God's Word, isn't it? One man, one woman, one person, the power of one. And Jesus, all through history, 
everybody else doing good things, bad things, but leading us to destruction. But this one man, the Lord Jesus Christ, brought us salvation, brings, brings us hope, and is going to bring us a world of peace one day when he comes again, one man. Now let me ask you this. Have you ever been saved? Today I want to give you an opportunity to be saved. I will give you an opportunity to come to this altar this morning. As our musicians come to play for us, just as I am without one plea, if you don't mind. I'm going to give us a, a moment to stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And I, I, I'm not going to come to anybody. I'm not mandatory to anybody. I'm going to give you an opportunity because that's what the gospel is about. It's an opportunity for us to give our life to Christ. It's an opportunity for us to spend eternity in heaven. It's also an opportunity for somebody to come in our lives that can bring order and truth and, and blessing to our life. Would you come and give your life to Christ today? Would you come as you are? Just come right now. If you want Him, you come right now. He's waiting. You can meet Jesus right here in this altar. Won't you come and give your life to Christ? Won't you start your, your life off right, right now, right here, right there today? Would you come? the things you need to pray about and lay on this altar you gotta if you are the problem in your life won't you come lay you on this altar and get up forgiven get up with Jesus being Lord of your life get up with a brand new start won't you come this is a place where we come and pray about our issues would you come would you come and give your life to Jesus would you trust him I tell you what he'll save you today here and now would you come Would you come, young person? Would you come, young, young man? Would you come and give your heart to Jesus? Just come and give your heart to Christ. What about somebody who's made some terrible mistakes recently? Why don't you lay that all down on this altar? Lay it all down on this altar. What about following the Lord in baptism? you like to follow Jesus? Be baptized. Won't you come? We're going to sing that out now. Let's all sing this out together. Just another opportunity for you to come if you want to come. Just as I am.